0: Hello, folks. Welcome to Holding On with Holder, where I talk to interesting people about interesting topics. My name is Steve Holder, and I am your host. My guest tonight is Ryan Walker, podcast host and veteran. Welcome, Ryan. Glad to have you with me.
1: How are you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: It's a pleasure to talk to you, and you are were in Australia.
1: No, I'm not in Australia. I'm in the UK.
0: Oh, okay. That's right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Can you not tell by the Scottish accent, Steve? Come on.
0: <laughs> you don't talk like me.
1: <laughs> no, nah, no, this is going to be a fun one because you've got a bit of a strong accent yourself and I've got a Scottish accent, so yeah. I think you might need to put some subtitles underneath just in case.
0: Yeah, we kind of speak the same language, don't we?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit different, a little bit funnier.
0: So tell us about your background, Ryan. Who are you, bro?
1: Well, I'm um uh, my name's Ryan. Ryan. Um, Wow, well, where do I start, really, to be fair? Former RAF veteran, spent seven years in the, the Royal Air Force, which was great as a, a logistics supplier. but uh, A bit of ground crew worked there. Spent seven years traveling the world, being crazy places, doing some crazy things and making some uh, great memories at the same time, which is fantastic. Um, spent two years in Afghanistan as I left, actually working for the American uh, um, DOD, Department of Defense. So um, I was working out there in Kabul for two years. Since leaving then, um, I came back to the UK and um, went into recruitment. So I set up my own recruitment business, which specializes in logistics and supply chain as well. Great fun, very stressful. I started with hair and very quickly just dis- disappeared. As you probably know, starting your own business. And then um, I got really interested in podcasting. and I started the, my own podcast and show, which is called The Walk the Line, uh, a few years ago. And it's literally a show just about stories. I love to tell a story, and I love hearing people's stories as well. And so far, it's been uh, really good fun. So that's a little bit about me and a, a bit of a nutshell, to be fair, Steve.
0: Well, i take tell you what, you sound interesting. I, <laughs> when you were in the Royal Air Force for seven years, what uh, did, did you plan on a career at one time? And-
1: Do you know what? I've came from a military background, from my family. Um, my granddad was in the army. He was a medic in the army. He uh, served at the back end of the Second World War. He was in the Korean War and all that sort of thing. And then previous generations from that, they were all in the, the, the forces, be it Navy, Air Force, or Army sort of thing. So I've came from a little bit of a uh, a background. My dad was the only one from about seven generations who wasn't in the forces and the reason why is because my grandmother didn't let him because he's seen what she's seen firsthand, what happened to my granddad. And he got injured. And he, unfortunately, he died through a stroke uh, due to his injuries and in the Korean War. He get, uh, uh, get, his Jeep got blown up and um, yeah. he survived his injuries. But later on down the line, like 20, 30, 40 years later, he kind of... Passed away because of that. See, my dad was forbidden to join the forces, which I think, which was one of his regrets. Uh, to be fair, um, so I've I've grown up in like a military background. So when I joined the forces, I, I won't. I don't know really because initially I was only nineteen when I start when I joins, uh, which is really daunting. Never experienced. I mean, there's probably younger people than I was. They they were like sixteen straight out of school. I went to college for a couple of years after that. And um, I wanted to go in for a long time, but not stay in for too long. One of the main reasons is because I started when I was so young, I haven't really experienced what life was like normally. I've not had my own place, not not had the experience of paying bills. I've not had the experience of oh, the, the, the joys of having a mortgage and all that sort of stuff and uh, working yeah. nine to five. So I've seen what it was like for people who are, started in the military from like 16, 17, and went through a long period of of their career to like 22 years, 25 years. And the adjustment has been incredibly hard for them. Um, And I didn't really want to kind of have that sort of like struggle. So I wanted to still stay in for a long period of time, but not too long, you know. But seeing that seven years I was in for, that was still quite a tough adjustment to from civilian uh, to military life to civilian life because... You probably know what the forces, they wrap you up, the bubble, they keep you kind of safe, they keep you all nice and cozy and safe in this little kind of, kind of bubble, community bubble, but as soon as that bursts, you're on your own and you're like, crap, I have now got responsibilities to think about now externally because yeah. nothing's paid for, you're going to have to do it yourself and it's an adjustment to get back to it. So I didn't really want to stay a long time. I wanted to use that and use the, the, the forces as an experience and not as a stepping stone, but to something I'd like to do going forward and see what else is out there because there's a big world out there and I want to experience it all, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah. yeah. So tell us about your podcast.
1: The podcast? It was a bit of a a, a random sort of um, way I started it, to be honest. I started doing it when I was in um, – my business, my current recruitment business. And it was when podcasting really started to become more popular. People were starting to think, right, hold on, this podcasting stuff could really take off quite quickly, and I used it as a way to boost my business profile up at the time and use it um, to get experienced kind of uh, guests who are in the logistics background who could come on the show, talk about their sort of um, um, experiences and their industry and talk to experts. And that's where I really kind of got the kind of the, the taste for it. You know, it's, you get that kind of, you get addicted to podcasts and after a yeah. certain point. I don't know about yourself, but, um, and I stopped it after a while because I, I closed the business down um, and I didn't really know what else to do with it. But then I thought to myself, I really enjoyed doing it. So I thought, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to do it. It's like, this is the Walk the Line podcast. Mark two is what I'm doing now. The original one was back in like 2015, 16 sort of thing. So I started it up a few years ago. And I just really love listening to people's stories. I love telling stories. I'm a, I love telling people about what I'm all about. I love stories in general. And I realized that if I do, somebody else is going to do it. So I really wanted to go out there and speak to people that are out there who are willing to open up about any sort of subjects under the sun, um, and it could be anything from, um, I think I was speaking to a, a gentleman, uh, Chris Gordon, who he was taking his kids out to school, and as he was closing his garage door, he scratched his arm, and from that he got he contracted, uh, a contracted a life or well, a skin-eating disease which was basically eating away his skin just from a scratch on his hands and his arm. Yeah. And it was fascinating how he was talking, how this manifested. You know, I'm talking to um, comedians, uh, singers who have got come from different backgrounds and it's just fascinating. I love listening to them. And I could sit there and listen to people like that all day, every day. And I would be content with life and I'd be, uh, I'd be happy. Well, that
0: sounds like my podcast. I mean, That's I, it. I- uh, you know, I've interviewed all kinds of people:
1: actors, comedians, circus people. Yeah. Are but you the I, same? Yourself, are you the same yourself, Steve? Are you, are you a bit of a? You love a, a story yourself?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's the best way. Everyone does like a story nowadays, and it's this is it's it's engaging, and people can relate to other people if because a lot of people are engaged in their own little kind of their own little kind of lives. You don't really see what goes on beyond that sometimes. And then hearing people who are going through possibly the same thing that they're going through, it kind of puts them at ease and makes them feel like, oh, wow, I'm not the only person that's suffering from this, or I'm not the only person who has has dealt with that in the past. So I'm not on my own. So it kind of hopefully puts them a little bit at ease, to be honest. Well, this
0: is my 58th interview, and I do it almost every day, so I must enjoy it.
1: You must be doing something right, I'd say. You're yeah. 58. Why did you Why did you start use What was the reason behind it?
0: Uh, last year, I ran for U.S. Congress. Wow! And I got interviewed several times by the media, and I had to answer questions. I had to come <laughs> up with something really fast. And several times during those interviews, I would think, "Well, I would like to be the one answering the questions." Right. So I remember that. So later on this year, I thought, you know, I was bored, and I said, "Okay, I think I'll go ahead and start that podcast." It's been crazy ever since. I've been crazy watching.
1: ever since. It's yeah. it's a funny it's a funny way how we actually kind of get into it, you know. I mean, your your story is a lot better than mine. You started for Congress. I mean, wow how how was that? Was that like that? Must have been a crazy time for you.
0: <laughs> it was. It was a very crazy year. I'm sure, you know, politics was a nasty business.
1: <laughs> Would you do it again, though? Would you do it again? No. No. <laughs> but no. Learned from that mistake. Never again. Done that. Tick the box. Don't need to do it again.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's off my list. I've interviewed several politicians. I interviewed a guy yeah. last month that ran for president last year. Wow, really? Yeah, Michael Landingham. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. He didn't get a lot of publicity. Know. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's cool people.
1: It's, good. it's a good way of getting in front of people and chatting to them and listening to their stories and yeah. finding out about their lives. It's great. I love doing it. I love doing yeah. it. And If I could do this full-time as a full-time job, Steve, I tell you what, I would do it in a heartbeat, I tell you. Yeah.
0: So do people reach out to you wanting to be on your podcast?
1: A bit of both really to be honest. I like to kind of network and speak to people and do that sort of thing, but it's a little yeah. bit a bit of both. If I majority of the time is I'm reaching out to them and I mean I'm, speaking, I'm I'm seeing other people out there and um, in different groups in different scenarios. Uh, and different platforms and i'm just reaching out to them and i'll be very lucky that they're willing to come on and have a chat with me to be fair you know facebook's been a great help to me i've been a lot apart from a lot of facebook groups instagram twitter um, Mm -hmm. and then it's just referrals from there from people i've had on my show and they refer someone to me and say you need to listen to this guy's story this guy's story is amazing and then when I get them on, it's 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 great fun. So it's a little bit of both. It can be, do you know what? It, it's it, it can be a bit daunting searching for people and trying to get the right people for you. So I don't know how you found it, but getting everyone involved and all the admin behind it, it gets a little bit tedious at times.
0: Yeah, I usually get people from uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. You know the Facebook groups, like you mentioned with the yeah. podcasts. There's plenty of people that want an audience that can't get it. That's it. It's just like me last year when I was in politics. You know, for a while I didn't get any attention from the media. So I turned to podcasters for interviews. Then I would share the interviews on social media. So, you know, it's podcasters do serve a purpose.
1: It is, it is. And do you know what I actually think it's gonna get? It's gonna get even bigger over the next few years. There's so many people that are gonna jump on this. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the big companies like Spotify are really taking podcasting seriously recently by investing a lot of money. Look look what they've done with Joe Rogan, for God's sake. You know, they've they've put a lot of money involved with him. And I think it's gonna be exciting to see what happens in the next two years. and especially the people who have stayed throughout the whole process and yeah. Done the business and grit down and still, still, still here.
0: I like to see more of them uh, do the video also. You know, most podcasters, yeah. as you know, are just the audio, but I enjoy the video. You know, I, I, my podcast is on, I think, eight different audio platforms, but you know, yeah. I enjoy the YouTube better than any of them.
1: I've only just started doing the YouTube side of things um, to put it up there. I've not done it much. I think I've got about 33 episodes I think I'm on to as of last week and I think I've only got like four episodes on YouTube right now. So I do need to get my finger out and actually do something about that. Yeah. Good platform. So
0: uh, what was your childhood like? You said you grew up in a military family so you moved around a lot, right?
1: Well, yeah. It was it, my the childhood that was it was it wasn't really military esque because my uh, my father wasn't really like kinda in the military but where I grew up was in Scotland in Glasgow and it was a a funny time in the eighties I don't know if you guys have any, if any if you know about uh, all the troubles back then about like kind of religions and Protestant and Catholics and sectarianism and all that sort yeah. of stuff it was really quite quite bad over there because it obviously migrated from Ireland over to us and we lived in a small uh, a small mining town just outside Glasgow which is called Cumnock East Ayrshire very very poverty uh, kind of enriched place there wasn't many jobs going in Scotland at the time it was a lot of kind of but I wouldn't say it was rough but there just wasn't much happening so it was it was hard growing up going to school you always had to kind of keep your eyes out just in case something happens, you know, if you look at someone the wrong way, you're going to get like, you know, I'm going to get a shoe and stuff, but it was a little bit rough. But the main thing that I have to commend my dad for was um, he wanted to get us out of there and he was going to do anything he possibly could to do so. Um, he was by trade, he was a, a pipe welder. Uh, so he was in the roads, um, in the middle of the, in the trenches in the roads, welding all these pipes could be water pipes like any sort of pipe sort of thing sewage pipes he was welding them together in the middle of the road sort of thing and he basically wanted to he knew he could do it and he wanted to get us out of there so he literally worked his butt off for years we didn't really see him much because he was doing that but when you were that age you kind of Resented him for it. But then when you get older, you understand why. As a parent myself, you have to do things like that. You have to sacrifice certain things for the greater good, sort of thing. And uh, he just kept working and building and building. And it's a great story. My dad's story is a great um, story to hear. I keep saying to him, and he needs to kind of come onto a show like this and discuss it. But because we moved down from London, he ma- he managed to get a, get a really, really great job in London. And so we moved down to London from Scotland when I was 15 years old. And now he's one of the biggest directors, uh, one of the directors for one of the biggest construction companies in the world. And uh, that's just through determination and hard work. And it's Mm -hmm. a great inspirational story to hear. So childhood was great, don't get me wrong. um, But we did have to leave Scotland quite quickly just because there wasn't much out there. There wasn't much opportunities. So can I give you a little bit of an idea that you had to really kind of get out of there. And a lot of people, I've speak to all my school friends, and they've moved away from the area. They've moved to different parts of the world, really. I've got a couple in Canada, uh, a couple of guys in Australia They just moved away. So it's getting better now. There's a lot of money being invested in the area where I used to grow up, which is great to see. But, it's, uh, yeah, I've just uh, decided it wasn't for me. So I've still got the accent. I'm down in London for about 15 years. Still got the accent, so it's not too bad. But uh, (laughs) it's not good.
0: So what's been your biggest challenge, Ryan?
1: Biggest challenge. I've got a few. Do you know, one of the biggest ones I had was probably recently, uh, not too long ago. It was 2016, 2017. It was. Um, I mentioned before I started my own, like, kind of recruitment business. And that time was very challenging because I just had a newborn daughter. She was only six months old when I had it. Uh, when I started the business. So there's obviously there, and there's no really any sort of cushion there for regular income to make sure that the money's coming in to support her, support the family. Me and my ex-missus um, at the time, we went married, we were just together. Uh, we had our own house, we had a car, we had everything. And the pressure of running your own business and her family invested into the business as well. So they put they backed me in it, which is great and I really appreciated them. But then you had... A lot of people put a lot of pressure on you because if you don't do it, you're going to lose out on money and you're going to lose out on your, your, your family's not going to be supported. Your, uh, everything else is not great. People are just going to start thinking you're crap at what you do. So there's a lot of pressure coming my way. During that, I, I mean, I was only young. The, the problem at that site, the, the problem with all this was I was in a, a wrong mindset with everything. I was in this sort of young, you know when you get them, the young entrepreneurs who think they know everything. I know the best way. People were giving me advice and I was too proud and too headstrong to go, okay, I'll take that advice. I was pushing them away. I was going, no, no, I know better. You don't know this industry. I've been in this industry for years. I know more than you. And that's (laughs) thinking back now, it pains me to think about it because if I could go back, I would probably slap myself and say, stop being like this. Um, So going through it and Because of that headstrongness, wrong decisions. I made wrong decisions. I was being desperate. I was uh, doing decisions that were stupid decisions business-wise, spending money that I didn't have, racking up debt and all that sort of stuff. And it got to the point that in one failed swoop, um, I lost everything. I lost everything in one day. uh, I lost uh, the business. I lost the car. uh, The missus left me. She took my daughter uh, and she took all the money, everything all in the space of like five or six hours all destroyed all about me i was homeless as well so the biggest is i think probably the biggest challenge there was build myself back up from that Um, Mm -hmm. having basically having everything taken away and having to build yourself back up basically from nothing and Mm -hmm. then that took a long time you see it took a long time to really kind of a lot of soul search and a lot of looking at yourself in the mirror and not liking what's looking back at you and then realizing you're the only one that can do this. You're the only one that can actually do it. People can support you, but they can only open the door. You're the one. It's the old cliche. You can open the door. You have to walk through it. You can't, you can't lead to, water, to, water mm-hmm. to the horse to drink sort of thing, that analogy. So it was a long, a long struggle of a lot of battling, a lot of um, uh, falling down and picking back up again. And uh, eventually got there. I've got myself into a really good spot now. Started up a new business, started a podcast, and my daughter's doing great. She's now started school. She's doing fantastic, moving on with my life. And, uh, yeah, it was a very challenging time, but I have to come and, uh, commend the people who are with me. The support bubble that I had was yeah. probably next to none. I couldn't wish for anything better than that, to be honest. So that was a <laughs> harrowing time, but it was uh, it's a learning curve, you know. It's A lot of people turn around to me and say, do you regret what you did? Or do you regret the decisions you made and how you made them? And I always say, a lot of people will probably jump and say, yeah, yeah, of course I would. But I always say, no, I don't regret what I did. Because if I didn't go through that sort of pain and anguish and horrendous stuff happening to me, I wouldn't be the person I am now. And I wouldn't wouldn't have grown as a person to make myself into that. So I always say no.
0: Yeah. So what do you think has been your biggest accomplishment?
1: Oh, dear. Biggest accomplishment? Probably. Say, I'll probably say, I wouldn't say it's the cliche. I wouldn't I don't want to say the cliche of oh, my daughter. My biggest accomplishment. You know, she's five years old and she's still alive. Yay! Uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, but our biggest accomplishment. You know, um, I think probably staying for about two years in Afghanistan for two years. That was a great accomplishment. To be fair, that was uh, pretty pretty harrowing when I was over there. Um, but also. Going back to football was a mass sports fan as well, playing football for uh, well, obviously the, uh, the US audience. It says soccer. We call it football over here. And uh, yeah, getting back into it and having a great career for that, playing for the RAF uh, and football, which is great. We didn't win the tournament. We came second, but we didn't win. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's a hard one, to be fair. I've had so many small ones, I wouldn't say anything is a great accomplishment. <clears throat>
0: So, um, how big a role does self-confidence play in a person coming back from the kind of thing you just described?
1: It's, it's. I would say self-confidence is a massive thing you have to really kind of develop. When people have this sort of like kind of thing that I've went through, I mean, probably people have been through a lot worse than I have. I don't want to kind of big my situation up compared to other people's Um, but the self-confidence thing I've always been I've been quite lucky with the self-confidence side of things Mm -hmm. because when I was in the forces I was very shy young kids I was 15 16 I was very timid I was very kind of close that introverted teenager but it wasn't when I went into the forces that's when they really kind of brought that out of me it was there but they brought that out of me that was a really good thing about the forces and what they did so, I was always a very confident person anyway, but I always still had it there, even though, like, can I, uh, like, it was like crap was hitting the fan. I was always there, I always had it there. I was always optimistic. I was always saying, right, what is, I, I said to myself, I always just say to myself, stop thinking and getting worried about stuff that you can't control. There's going to be stuff in this world that is going to happen. It's not your fault. You couldn't control it. Do not worry about it. You know, why go to sleep worrying about something that is out of your hands? Let nature take its course. Let the world, let the universe take its course. Only get worried about stuff that you can influence. Now, if you can influence it, go for it and do it to the best of your ability. And that was one of the main things I really had to overcome. And worried about what people thought. Because it's, it's an embarrassment thing. That's a big,
0: you right there. That is a big, year.
1: huge thing. And I've got uh, my girlfriend at the minute. She's, she, I was chatting to her about this um, a few weeks ago. And she's a bit like that. She was worried about what people thought of her, about certain scenarios, you know, right. going to school and finding, dropping the kids off at school and people are talking, like whispering. And I'm just like, I'm, I don't care what people think, you know. And that's the biggest hurdle It's when you turn around and say, why are you worried about what people think of you? And once you get over that hurdle, it makes complete, it's it's nirvana, if that makes it's sense. Freedom, not, isn't it?
0: It's freedom the, when you get there. Yeah. It
1: is, and it is nirvana because you do not mind what people think of. You don't care what their thoughts are, mm-hmm. and it, you can concentrate and just move it on. It's it's like you've had the, the leashes have, you, have been taken off, the chains have been released, and you yeah. can just drive. And I always encourage people to say, like, mm-hmm. "What? Well, it's, it's all very well good saying it, in practice it does take time and it took me a long time to get there it took me a good few years to really kind of do little things each day just to kind of chip away at that and do things then do things like this podcasting for instance that was a major thing for me because you're putting yourself out there and that self-confidence resonates and you don't understand it always do one thing I've always said always do one thing each day that scares you because then you'll start to feel that confidence build up. You're you're doing something you've not done before, and you've talked to someone you've not talked to before, and you're doing different things. And eventually, after that, it's a gradual process, the self confidence will come back in, and you'll feel better about yourself, and then you'll realize there's a whole world out there that you can take on.
0: Yeah. And it is easier said than done. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm basically a shy person too. I was like you when I was growing up. Yeah. I, I was scared of everybody. You know, I didn't
1: want to talk to nobody. That's it. Look at you now. You're running for Congress and then you're yeah. going for then you are your own podcast show, you know?
0: <laughs> Who would have thought you right?
1: That's it. Who would have thought 15 year old Steve would be sitting there? He'd be going, No, I'd never do that. Yes, you <laughs> will. Yeah. So what would you noist say? there's nothing stopping you doing what you want? You know, if you want to go out there and do something, you go out there and get it and do yeah. it. Nobody's gonna think in bad of you. I'd rather speak I'd rather have a lot of respect for someone who went there and failed than someone who didn't have to have the bottle to go yeah. and do it themselves.
0: We gotta learn to shut off that inner critic. That's
1: know? it. That's it. was it the old the old African proverb? Uh, the enemy was it once was it I can't remember the, once you conquer the enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. Which is uh, I've that's always it. thought that it's a really good one. That
0: say that again.
1: It's that once you conquer the enemy within, the enemy outside will do you no harm.
0: Ah, I like
1: that. So I like it's a great little quote, to be fair. I've always thought that in the back of my head, sitting there going, oh, wow, that is, and it is, once you conquer your own demons, there's nothing can stop yeah. you. Well,
0: let's move on to important stuff. I hear you are a pro wrestling fan.
1: I am. Oh, God, <laughs> yes, Steve. I've been dying to get hold of this. I have not talked to someone about pro wrestling for ages. I'm excited about this.
0: <laughs> is there a lot of wrestling on TV over there?
1: We got the usual sort of stuff you got you got your uh, you got your WWE you get your AEW and we got Impact uh Ring of Honor and all that sort of stuff not as much um New Japan stuff so I have to really kind of uh, go online to watch that but it's the the normal stuff yeah but I've been keeping up to date with all the the the, the Wednesday night wars and all that sort of stuff if you were to call it a war then you think it was a war really yeah. was it Yeah and I've
0: discovered there's plenty of stuff on YouTube So we can check out YouTube, you know, put it wrestling in, search bar. There's all kinds of stuff,
1: old stuff, new stuff. I mean, wonderful things. I used to, I I started watching wrestling when I was really young. And um, I'll tell you, this is another funny story, actually. I started watching, me and my friend, his name was Adrian McCallum. And he was, we were both watching wrestling. We loved wrestling. Ultimate Warrior, fantastic. Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Oh, my God, what a show that was. But then you'd realize the ins and outs of what that what the ultimate warrior was all about, and you go, oh, but still. So we 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 kept watching it all the time. And I went to they, they came and toured um Glasgow, and my dad took me to see it. So he took me to live to watch it in Glasgow at the SECC Arena in Glasgow. And I remember touching Tatanka's hand when he walked up the aisle. I put my hand out, and Tatanka slapped it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Tatanka's just slapped my hand. Yeah, best kidding. thing ever, <laughs> best thing ever. But we used to watch it all the time. Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't wait to watch every Monday night with Raw during the Attitude era. Obviously, the new the, the, the new generation era with Shawn Michaels and Diesel and Bret Hart, and yeah. I moved in. So when I I moved away, in uh, 1998, I moved down to down to from Scotland to England. So I lost contact with um with my friends i didn't really mention because that was before really internet and emails and was a bit outdated sort of thing wasn't really there so fast forward about six seven years later i eventually go on it was when facebook became quite uh, apparent and really huge and i looked on there it was like adrian mccallum is sent you a friend request it was my old friend i used to watch wrestling with well lo and behold he didn't just watch wrestling he decided he wanted to be one and he became one of the biggest wrestlers in the UK. His name was Lionheart. And he was like one of the biggest UK wrestlers. Yeah. And um, I was like, what? And I was watching him. He sent me DVDs. And he sent me a couple of T-shirts. And he was like, look at me now. I was like, I was saying to him, my God, do you remember when we were 10 years old, watching the Ultimate war against Hulk Hogan? And look at you now. And he's yeah. like, I'm living the dream, man. I'm living the dream. Yeah.
0: Do you remember Macho Man, Randy Savage?
1: Oh, macho Man, yeah. Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I seen him live here. He came to my hometown once. Really? And that dude, he was so short. He must have been about five foot eight. I was taller than him. Really? Yeah. But he looked so much bigger on TV. He so still had the muscles and all, but he was a real short guy.
1: Oh yeah, so talented though. Very such yeah. a charismatic person was. as well. He was. You could you could set that you knew when he was there, when he was talking, he had yeah. everyone in the whole world, the room wrapped in his in the palm of his hands yeah. straight away. And it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it.
0: And of course, everybody always felt sorry for Miss Elizabeth, you know, because <laughs> he, he didn't respect her, you know.
1: <laughs> I know. I, do you know what? Later on, when you, one of the, uh, can I it's, the the glass shattering moments, you know, when you're watching, uh, I was watching all the the, the 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 old wrestling stuff from like Macho Man and back to the early 90s. I was loving it as a child. Absolutely fantastic. And it's not until now I've been doing like watching documentaries about why yeah. situations were and I'm like, oh, wow. And it's, it's really quite bad about obviously the stuff that Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth and The Ultimate Warrior being a bit of a of an ass, really to be fair. He wasn't nice and how Hulk Hogan always manipulated people and how Bret Hart got screwed over at Montreal. And it was like, whoa, this is this is some really crazy stuff. Not you don't expect that. You're like, oh the, the, the curtain's just been pu- pulled down. You know it's like you're seeing everything, which is really quite strange to be honest.
0: Yeah. Now Mick Foley, now that dude has done some amazing things over the years. I'm surprised he had killed himself. <laughs>
1: When he get chucked off the ring, when he get chucked off the yeah. cage but the Undertaker and King of the Ring. Oh, my
0: God. And uh, Jeff Hardy is another one. He's done the same oh, things. I mean, it's just, you watch him do those things, jumping 20 foot down, you know, and yeah. landing on somebody's head. And
1: <laughs> One of my favorite matches is actually the, the TLC match at WrestleMania, Edge and Christian, uh, the Hardys, the Dudley boys, and seeing them go at it. With the, the 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 ladders, the chairs, the tables. Yeah. I that was how people can do that is ridiculous. It was yeah. carnage.
0: Some of those guys live in pain for the rest of their lives, though, it's of true. That
1: they did. I actually was watching, I don't did you watch the um, the hidden treasures documentary last week. That was Mick Foley, it was his one. No. no. I was, they've, they've got a new thing. I think it's on, I can't remember what channels on. I think it's entertainment channel and uh, on cable and the WWE, they're sending out their old legends to go and find their old memorabilia that people, the collectors have took and some of these wrestling collections that these guys have got is ridiculous yeah. and it was Mick, Mick Foley was going out and I think he was going to try and uh, he wanted to get the original Socko. uh he went and found that and then he went and got one of the, the, the original Cactus Jack shirts, the flannel shirts as well I've got so one could, of
0: those I've, I've, I've I, have, I have one of those probably. dead or alive, Cactus Jack
1: that's it. Uh, yeah. And because what they were saying is that the WWE are trying to make like a, an archive, but they're trying to make it into a museum now and they're trying to uh, promote it. So every week they're going to send out their old legends to go and find their old stuff from these uh, um, collectors that have founded them, found them over the past years. Yeah. So it's really quite good. You should catch, up. Let's catch up with it. It's really good. It's, um, Most Wanted Treasures, it's called.
0: Yeah. I always get tickled at people and say, well, you like that? That's all fake. And I say, well, it's entertainment. You watch it's movies funny. and you know that's not real, you know.
1: It so. is. That's all it is. It's entertainment, you know, and yeah. some of this stuff. And it's good fun, you know. And it gets a little bit heated at times, but you'll take it in jest. But, yeah, it's, it's all about
0: entertainment, yeah. exactly. It's all
1: fun. It's all fun and games.
0: Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to say before I before we wrap it up, but I haven't given you a chance to say.
1: Not really, to be fair, Steve. I think I've had a chat. All thing I can say is come and listen to my podcast. I am going to plug my show right now, Steve. I hope you don't mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's uh, the Walk the Line podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms. Got a Facebook group as well. You're than welcome to join. We we'll do giveaways and build a community and do that. Uh, and I'm in the process of putting all the videos, like Steve said, on YouTube. So, Look out for it. Come and join it, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks very much.
0: Okay. And do you have a website?
1: Um, I don't have a website. It's uh, that's a next uh, tick in the box okay. that I'll be making, but there will be like uh, a website coming soon. I'm just negotiating how I'm actually going to do that.
0: Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, when yeah. I say
1: negotiating, what I'm going to do it is negotiating whether should I do it for nothing or should I pay someone to do it for me. That's the negotiating I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, if you like me, you like to do it yourself, you know. You
1: exactly. Can, That's what I'm thinking.
0: It's a lot cheaper.
1: <laughs> it's a lot cheaper, exactly. It's a Scottishness coming out now. It's a cheap Scottishness. There I might just go. try it.
0: There you go. Well, Ryan, I have enjoyed talking to you, and I appreciate you coming on my show.
1: Appreciate it, Steve.
0: And, folks, thanks for joining in, tuning in to Holding On With Holder. Please subscribe to my channel. And feel free to share this video all over social media. And don't forget to check out the Walk the Line podcast, right?
1: That's the one. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thank you. And you have a wonderful day.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.